The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He is Big Chris Newton. Say what up, though. What up, though? That's right, what up, though? Anyway, it wasn't the way any of us would have drawn it up. All of us pretty much expected the Bills to take it to the Steelers. Well, that's not how it worked out. But we are going to talk about what went wrong. And also, there were some things that went right. We're going to talk about that, too. We're going to break it all down for you. But in the meantime, did you know our buddy, Big Chris Newton, came up to D.C. and watched the game with me? Hell yeah. Yeah, man, I was in the city. I had to come up. My daughter had to work out with Blue Star up at Sidwell Friends in D.C., so I got her registered, dropped her off, and then I hit Hightail down to the bullpen right outside uh, Nats Park and, and got to enjoy the game with you along with a couple hundred other Buffalonians. So it was pretty good. Yeah, man, hot day. Oh, man, 90 <laughs> degrees, sun, no shade. <laughs> It's so funny, man. Hey, y'all, the fact that this man, every time we went to commercial break, he ran to the shade. I'm like, dude. (laughs) And I'm granted, like, you know, once again, man, I'm a 400-pound African-American. If anybody should be looking for shade, it should be me. I'm thinking you want to bask in the sun, get your little tan on, and you're running for the shade. Oh, man. Okay, understand this. For those of you that I have not met in person or hasn't seen a picture of me, I'm a ginger. So the only thing that sustains life on Earth, the sun, is also actively trying to kill me with melanoma. So I got to get out whenever I get the opportunity. I was wearing sunscreen and still my body was saying, something ain't right, man. You got to stop. So did you know, Big Newt, that being in the sun too much can cause cold sores? I did not know that. Well, guess what I've got? Cold sore. Woke up with it yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fun? (laughs) I just, I really, I mean, first of all, was it 90 degrees? I thought it was like in the 80s. Was it really 90 degrees? It was. Okay. Because I wasn't, because, you know, I'm a big guy and I usually sweat anything, as I've told the listeners, I sweat usually anything past 75. But I, I really wasn't that uncomfortable. Maybe I'm just so tuned into the game. But I felt like it was hot and definitely the shade. Once the shade came over the buildings in downtown D.C., it definitely got a lot cooler. 
Yeah, but I felt like it was probably maybe 80, probably 85. But then once we got the shade, it felt like 70, like a crisp 70, maybe 75. Oh man, you maybe I'm way off. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I, I test the temperature by how much Newt is sweating. I have my Buffalo Bills towel there, you know, on my uh, on my shoulder. I was wiping my brow a little bit, but usually 90 degrees, I'm sweating profusely. <laughs> wiping your brow, you're wiping your entire damn head. I know, man, because I'm a bald head, man. I gotta keep it clean, man. <laughs> I have hair. I just choose to be bald for any new listeners out there. Yeah, that's that's a weird thing, man. Like, there's so many dudes who don't have hair because they can't, and then you are like, you, you. It's almost like you're mocking them. It's just, I'm, no, really, I'm just lazy when it comes to my hair. And well, first of all, as my daughter always tells me, I didn't give her a good grade of hair. Obviously, my uh, kids are biracial, and so Jalen has this nice wavy hair like uh, Lynn's dad has, because he's like half French, he's like French Canadian or something. So he got this cool kind of wavy hair. But then Simone, my daughter, has my hair. So when she doesn't mm. get it pressed or she don't have it in braids, it looks like a big afro that she just can't really do anything with. So I apologize to her all the time for that. Well, you know, I, I've seen pictures of you from back in the day where you've got that tight fro and you look good, man. I like, bring that back. I And I do sometimes. Like in the wintertime, I'll grow my hair out. It's just I'm so lazy and too cheap to go to the barbershop to maintain it. Like it looks good when I first get it cut, but two days later, it just looks like it's bad. So uh, I'm just lazy. I just want to wake up, shave, and get on with it. Yeah, you, you are not afraid of hair removal, are you? I'm really not. I shave my legs and everything else, too. That's why I noticed you, because I was you, you sure every time you was walking to the shade, I'm looking at your leg, your hairy legs and stuff. I'm like, I can't do it, dude. I shave my legs. I shave everything. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm looking over at you, the 400 pound eel. <laughs> <laughs> Not an eel. <laughs> Good stuff. I like that. Oh. God, what is wrong with us? Oh my God! I guess I can be I can be other things too. I'll, I'll take an eel. That's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> I don't even know why an eel came to mind. <laughs> That's so we've got a game to talk about here, and uh, the Bills. Well, in the second half of the game, they uh, they crapped the bed, didn't they? Yeah, man, I, and I know you all are like, why are these dudes cracking jokes that we just lost? I mean, it's okay, Bills Mafia. One game is not going to ruin the season. Like Jordan Poirier says, don't act like we just lost the Super Bowl. He said that in the post game, and I and I totally agree with him. Um, yeah, it's it's one game. We it would have been great if we would have won the game. Obviously, uh, when we lost the game, it's just a little mud on your face, but. Don't deny the fact that take anything away from the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are they might not be a great team, but they are a great organization. And they have great coaches, great front office. So what happened on Sunday, man, I mean, we're going to go in and talk about it, but we can't not play well and beat a team like that. And don't and hats off to them. So um and also if you need anything else, um it was a lot of good teams that are Super Bowl contenders. Green Bay Tennessee, they lost this weekend too. 
um, and other good teams like Baltimore. I don't know if you stayed up and watched the Baltimore Raiders mm-hmm. game on Monday night, but that game turned out to be wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. The Colts, Cleveland, Washington, and Dallas. All those teams are potential playoff teams, and they all lost too, so we're not alone. Well, hey, what at one point last season, the Bucks were seven and five. Okay, sure. There, there was COVID and no real training camp preseason. They had a lot of new players, whatever, whatever, whatever. They were seven and five and they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, don't, uh, don't get your undies in a bunch over one loss to what is a good team. So the thing that, the thing that made it very clear to me how good Pittsburgh is, is the number of players they have on defense that really make a big difference in the game. Cam Hayward, uh, uh, TJ Watt, um, Minka Fitzpatrick. These are players who the Bills, you want them to have more impact players like that. You know, we got to see Ed Oliver get there. We got to see Tremaine Edmonds get there. Obviously, the Bills secondary is excellent, so we can't really talk about that. But you want to see Gregory Rousseau become a TJ Watt type and it's funny, we were sitting with our friend, Nicole, who every time Watt made a play, she's like, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> it was, and, and for good reason, because all he does is make plays. But the thing to me that stood out about this game is everything that we were concerned about in the offseason came to fruition in this game. And those things were the interior of the offensive line, specifically the guards, and CB2. Those seem to be the things that cost the Bills the game outside of a a, a punt that was blocked. But I t- oh, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to piggyback off that. I totally agree with you. And one of the bright spots about this game, and I know it's hard to look at bright spots in a loss, but one thing I was thinking driving that three hours home back to Richmond because it was all kind of traffic. But the thing, and listening to the post game is, I like the fact that we could critique and talk about the game and talk about our warts because when we win, nobody wants to talk about that. Think about, <laughs> think about, no, listen, because I listened to the post game show, Shoping the Bulldog. I listened to Nate Geary overtime. We talked about this, you know, last year too. When we win, Nobody wants to critique that. Oh, shut up. We won. We don't want to hear that. So now that we lost, okay, let's talk about it. Because what we do here at the Jamie D and Big News Show is we're going to talk about the real good and bad, whether we win or lose. And I know people really don't want to hear that sometimes, but it needs to be even killed. When we're winning, we're probably not as good as we think we are. And when we lose, we're not as bad. You realize it was people actually calling in <laughs> the Sal Capaccio show. I was on the I was on the elliptical uh yesterday morning, on the elliptical, getting my miles in, and uh people were calling in to his show um yesterday at ten o'clock talking about so oh man, Mr. Bisky should be put in if he if Josh Allen can't do better. <laughs> people said that and 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 dude i get it you're pissed off it was an older guy and i understand you're pissed off you like man i ain't got that many more years i gotta win a super bowl you like man whatever it takes but we all know that that's not gonna happen right uh you know <laughs> it's it's like back in the super bowl days 
and you weren't living in in Western New York during that time period, but there were so many people that were calling for Frank Reich to start. And Frank Reich, in an interview recently, said that he thought he should be starting too. And uh, he's like, shows you, shows you what I know. I thought I should be playing <laughs> over Jim Kelly. Um, but How things every- work out. But you know what? The the second string quarterback is always the most popular player on a team. It just yes. seems to be that way. Yes. Yeah. And and I know people look in and like they don't want to see Josh Allen come out and look the way he look. And I know I'm getting off script a little bit. But if you want to talk about um the biggest thing or one of the biggest things uh also is Sweeney was being active and Zach Moss was inactive. Yep. And they and they said that maybe what an hour before kickoff, I think. Maybe yes. two. And so I know a lot of people play fantasy. I don't play fantasy, obviously, but I know a lot of people had drafted Zach Moss and they were pissed off about that, especially with the late announcement of him being active. I don't think that will be the case this weekend in Miami. I think he'll be active because I think he could have helped us uh perhaps win this game. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into a little bit of the guard play. Now before the game, we said Cam Hayward is going to be a problem. He was a problem last year, and he's a great player. Okay, so mm-hmm. he got matched up against John Feliciano, the newly re-signed John Feliciano. Well, let's take a look at the performance of the Steelers' D-line as a whole. They had 19 pressures on Josh Allen, 10 of them came from Cam Hayward. That's an interior defensive lineman. Six came from TJ Watt and five from Melvin Ingram, who, oh, by the way, drew three holds against Deion Dawkins. Ouch. So to break that down, Feliciano was specifically credited for eight pressures allowed and one sack. Dawkins, five pressures allowed, three sacks. Okay, now ready for this? Pro Football Focus. Feliciano rated 30.9. 30.9. That's the reason why we thought going into the game it was going to be a three-guard rotation where he took, I think, uh, he took all the snaps and then Buggingger took maybe 10 snaps and Cody Ford took all but 10 snaps. Right. And so, Ford graded out 61.2, which isn't great. It's like the low end of average, mm-hmm. but he more than doubled up Feliciano. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a good thing, man. The interior, we had to figure that out. And once again, man, I'm going to keep talking about this. You all going to get mad, but... Once you give Josh out of that contract, the job of the general manager becomes that much more important. And I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. And so we should that was a problem. We knew that that was a problem and we chose not we to address it. it. We absolutely knew that that was a problem coming into this year. And I know people love John Feliciano. I know people want Cody Ford to work out. But we can't will these things into existence. I I felt like they should have had an ace up their sleeve, both there and at the cornerback position. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that, too. But you remember I told you I yelled out in the third quarter when Feliciano, I think that was Hayward, just ran through him. I'm talking about just ran through him like wet paper. 
And I'm like, oh my God. And I, <laughs> and so now it's like, yeah, Josh Allen didn't have a good game, but when you have plays like that, and then you had TJ Watt with the two sacks, then and so much pressure, a lot of a lot of his balls sailed on him because he couldn't set his feet. Well, he couldn't set his feet because he never felt comfortable. And as well, he shouldn't have. Right. And that was something I kept saying throughout the entire game is he's not setting his feet. He's doing these weird jump throws. And it's because he was uncomfortable. But also at the same time, just because you're uncomfortable, you got to be good enough to not lose your fundamentals and in your mechanics. Yeah, yeah, you would think that, man. But until you got guys chomping at you and hitting you, I mean, I understand, dude. Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. hard. Like, I mean, in a perfect world, it would be like that. But when you're getting hit and chased and you feel – and also, you got to realize that he feels – I'm sure he feels the pressure of having to live up to his new contract and sure. knowing he, that he does have to carry the offense. Because if we only score, what, 16 points – we're not going to win too many games. No. So it falls on him. And especially a day like a day like Sunday where the defense did their part. They were top 10 in all categories. So they did their part. The offense just didn't come through and do their part. And it mainly falls. It falls on Josh Allen's shoulder. But I will say it's, it wasn't necessarily his fault. It was the offensive line. So unless you're going to go out and find a new O-line coach that's going to coach him up better or whatever – and this is pretty much what we have. So I would expect to see uh, Buttinger getting a few more snaps this week. I I am worried that a bad performance like Josh Allen is going to cause people to start screaming for Brian Dable's head. Because Josh Allen, you remember early in the game, he missed a, a deep pass to a wide open Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. Sanders had four yards on that guy and Allen yep. missed him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, that was that's, all on him. That that's on him. You know, yeah. there were questionable fourth down calls. I, I agree with that, but they're only questionable if you don't make that, if you don't make the first down, <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I know you're talking about the fourth and half a yard and we try to run a, a fake up the middle and then a tall sweep and yeah. It just got blown up by the cornerback. Both of us were sitting there looking like, just give it to Josh Allen. You six five, two hundred whatever pounds, you're gonna fall for it. And we did it in the first half, and it went for like we only needed a yard. It went for like four yards. So I don't understand why you would get cute, but from everything I've been hearing, it's because Brian Dable had that play in the back pocket, and apparently that was a play that we ran back with Willis McGahee, and it went for like. 30 or 40 yards for a touchdown back in the day, which yes. is all great. But yeah, I wish I wish we would have overruled that call and just go up the middle. If we go up the middle and they blow it up, I don't think I would be like, oh, you need to be more imaginative than that. But when you toss the ball backwards, it's too many things that could go wrong. Right. You see what I'm saying? Most all the time when you push the, a quarterback, especially somebody as big as him, you're always going to get a yard, like almost always. The other issue with it, it, it wasn't exactly the same play that the Bills ran in 2004. The receiver, and when they ran it in 2004, was on the other side of the line of scrimmage, taking the cornerback away from the direction that the play was going. And the corner, uh, he's Cortland Sutton. He's the one who made the play on that. 
He saw it immediately and took off after the running back. Nobody, nobody even put a hat on him. So it wasn't apples to apples. Now, the other thing that we discussed was what's going to happen. And we we said that Levi Wallace could have a tough game going up against (laughs) the big wide receivers that the Steelers have. And they didn't do him any favors because the Bills used man coverage on 58% of their defensive snaps, which was the second highest rate of all teams in week one. Ooh, the Bills are good nugget. for that. That's a good nugget. I like that. Thanks, buddy. Now, I understand why they did it. They did it because they knew that Roethlisberger was going to be getting rid of the ball quickly. And he did. Uh, he and did. We'll, we'll come back to that later. But they knew that he was going to be throwing the ball quickly. The receivers weren't going to be far downfield. So they were kind of doing press coverage. Oh, Levi, you just didn't look good out there, buddy. Yeah, I definitely was thinking to myself, man, where's Josh Norman? Uh, can we go to the waiver wire? I think I saw yesterday Drake or Patrick sign somewhere, like get somebody out the scrap heap. I mean, they they went they went at Levi Wallace and they you could tell they were picking on him. Oh right? yeah. And and it was a tough cover, man. I mean, their receivers didn't go for a lot, but they made big plays when they had to. Going back to uh the play that uh T White gave up, Tredavious mm-hmm. White. On uh, Chase Claypool, Notre Dame alum, that was a big play, man. It was perfect coverage, but Chase Claypool just went over and made a better play. And so you see how I just did that. That that's the reason why I don't play fantasy football. Because y'all are probably listening to me like, why are you cheering for Chase Claypool? We don't care about him going to Notre Dame. That's why I don't play fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> see, I normally wouldn't have said that, but. Fantasy football people, I'm sure somebody out of a couple hundred people that was at the bullpen had Chase Claypool on their fantasy. And I was like, if somebody would say that, yeah, man, I'm happy. I got a fantasy. I'll probably turn around and probably sock them one or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason why I don't play. But no, going back to the uh, topic, though. But yeah, I they their receivers made a lot of big plays in the game. Not going for a lot of yardage, but they made big timely catches when they need in crucial moments. Well, Deontay Johnson made that spectacular catch in the corner of the end zone where Levi Wallace got a hand on the ball and had really good coverage. But you were saying it in the second half of the game. You kept saying, they're just making plays. We're not making plays, but they're making plays. And and they were. They they made big plays. And you know what? Great players make big plays at big times. And that's what they did, man. They were on a roll. They were focused. And and I get it, man. It's the first home game. You know how Bills Mafia come out. They, from what I'm hearing, that they was out there early. National anthem, the whole stadium full. I'm sure the energy was electric, and we fed off that energy in the first half. It's just when we went into halftime, I, I we just laid a dud. So sometimes you could be too overhyped. You know, sure. sometimes you got to settle down for the best of you. Yeah. Huh. Now, <laughs> something else I wanted to point out. This is neither this is neither good nor bad. You know, we we covered the bad. Here's just it is what it is. Emmanuel Sanders was targeted eight times. He came down with four of them, but it became very clear how the Bills are going to use him 
this year. The air yards per target, that means how far downfield is he when the ball gets to him? He was fifth in the NFL, 18.6 yards downfield every time the ball got to him. That tells me they're planning on him being an intermediate threat. And I thought we were going to see a lot more underneath stuff to him. He also outsnapped Gabriel Davis, 79 to 43. Yeah, everybody pretty pretty much thought that Gabriel Davis would be more an integral part of our offense. And if it keeps going like this, then all of us will probably be wrong. Uh, Man Sons have four catches and 52 yards. Um, once again, going back to the Josh Allen pass on the deep in the deep th- uh, ball first half, if we would have connected that, that would have been a whole different game, and his stat line would look totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, but Gabriel Davis did come up with the big touchdown catch when he threw that ball. I was just like, "Oh my God, where are you throwing?" And then next thing you know, you see Gabriel Davis tap tap tiptoeing um, right inside the end line. So that was a wonderful throw, great catch, which I thought was going to go over his head into the stands, but he snagged it. <laughs> and you know, it was great concentration on his part too. I mean, that went. I really, he had the defender in front of him in perfect position to make a play on the ball and he kept his concentration strong enough and it made made the squeeze which made me extremely happy yeah and that, and that was a situation where he made a play because that ball was high man you know and i and i it is funny going back to my college days i remember we were playing pittsburgh state my senior year and i was at tight end i'm wide open in the end zone it was a play action and my mm-hmm. quarterback at the time threw it over my head and i didn't even jump right and then so he yelled at me coming off the field. He was like, why you didn't even jump? And I said, because if I would have got a hand on the ball, people would have looked at me like I should have caught it. Really? <laughs> I literally said, I remember it like it was yesterday. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast Saturday morning, but I remember <laughs> that <laughs> what happened in 1994. And so for him to make that play, it's just a, it's just a testament to his athleticism because that ball is high and they're throwing it high and away. So if you don't, your guy don't get it, then it won't get picked off. Huh. I can't believe you actually told him why you didn't jump. Yeah. If I would have got a hand on the ball, then everybody would have looked at me like it was my fault. I'm looking at him like, and plus I was wide open. It was play action pass. It was like a five-yard pass. I'm wide open. He just threw it over my head. <laughs> so. Ah, because he wanted it to look like it was closer to you than it actually was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. so- I want to talk about something that, in my opinion, went right. I thought the D-line played well. You disagree, huh? I would have thought with how green their offensive line was, I would have thought that we would have took advantage of that up front where we would have gotten more sacks. I feel like we have pressures, but I felt like during the game, and I'm sure you have the stats, but just watching the game with a naked eye, I feel like – we had to bring blitzes. I feel like we had to do different things to apply pressure like we usually do in the uh, Frazier defense, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because, I mean, we had two sacks. And Julia Poya had one and Mario Addison had the other, right. right? So that's a blitz. And so I feel like, and then watching Pittsburgh, I feel like they never blitzed. No, they didn't. They blitzed twice. It was just their front four. And so going into the game, I would have thought it would have been switched. I would have thought that we could just bring four 
um, with our new toys, you know, Mario Addison and uh, Greg Rousseau. He, I believe he started, right? He did. So, so I'm thinking that those guys were going to be able to get more pressure against a new line versus the other way around. But the Steelers schemed it really well. So time to throw, the amount of time it takes from the snap to the quarterback letting go of the ball, Roethlisberger averaged 2.3 seconds from snap to throw, which was the fastest in week one. The Bills, you're right. They sacked him twice. They had uh, six pressures. But here's the other thing. The average intended air yards per throw was 5.7. So that was the third shortest in the NFL this past weekend. And that tells me that the Steelers don't believe that their offensive line can sustain blocks for longer than, well, usually it takes two and a half seconds to get uh to get a man through to the quarterback. And yeah, I, I mean, there weren't a lot of hits on Roethlisberger, but there weren't a lot of opportunities there. What I like is that they held him to 56 yards rushing. There are all, really only two big plays there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought, I thought that was pretty okay. Right. Well, I know, once again, give a props to uh, Leslie Frazier as a D coordinator. I don't think he gets the duty he deserves. Um, he schemes up a lot of things, but I just want to be, okay, we got a first, second round pick. I know uh, Boogie Basham wasn't active. But I I need to see my front four. I don't I don't want my say I want to, I don't want my safeties and linebackers getting the pressures. I want my front four getting pressures, and we can do more stuff in the back end, moving forward. Yeah. And so if we if we couldn't do it against four new starters for Pittsburgh, then I'm like, okay, when are we going to be able to do it? So. <sighs> I'm looking at the stats here, and Jerry Hughes led the Bills at uh, his pressure rate was just under 12%. Uh, Epinesa was around 10%, and then number three was Harrison Phillips at about 7%. You had Obata, Justin Zimmer, and Gregory Rousseau that had zero pressures on the QB. Um, that's you know when you've got. When you got two guys that are going ten percent or above, I mean that that's that's really good. Uh, not nearly as good as Cam Hayward, though. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other thing I liked, Devin Singletary in the second half. Your boy, man, you were looking for big things out of Singletary. Well, yeah, I mean he 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 had the one drive where he had the two big runs, but take away from that, I feel like it was mainly pedestrian. Um, we did outrush them. And if you would have told me we would have did that, I would have been happy. If you would have told me that Sunday morning, we outrushed the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, 117 to 75. Um, Singletary had 11 carries for 72 yards with the longest run of 25. All right. And that's one thing. That's why I always say you have to watch the game and see how it unfolds versus just looking at the stat line. Mm-hmm. Take away that one drive where he had the two big runs, it would have been mainly pedestrian. Also, along with the rushing, Josh Allen, nine carries for 44 yards. All right. If you're going to scramble for first downs, I'm okay. But all these power, quarterback power runs, 
I don't want my $200 million quarterback doing power runs. We need to keep him out of harm's way, just like we talked about with the offensive line. We got to protect them when we dial up those plays. And I know what you're going to say. Well, Chris, well, Big Newt, you know, that's the reason why we paid him that money because he's a running threat. And that's fine. Third and 10, scramble for a first down, get down. But if he's powering himself up between the tackles, I don't think he's going to be able to sustain it for 17 weeks, bro. We'll be seeing tri- – we're going to be like the old man. We will see Trubisky in the games. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I got, and I got respect. Please don't think, oh, you talk about old people. I'm an old man myself. I got respect for old people. So when we have dialogue and stuff with people online, on Twitter and stuff, I don't care how crazy somebody say. I will never disrespect the older person because that dude, the dude I'm talking about, like man, I've been a, I've been a fan since before OJ Simpson and Jack Kemp and all this stuff. So I respect that. You know what I'm saying? I'm in a fraternity. You always give, um, you always give, you know, respect to the people who came before you. No matter what they say or do, you know, older people gonna say crazy things. Heck, I know I say crazy things, and my kids <laughs> laugh at me all the time. But you always show respect for the people who was doing it before you were. So mm-hmm. if you're doing something crazy, I probably won't say anything. I'm like, yeah, I don't agree, but I'm definitely not going to disrespect you. Even though we know there's no way Trubisky is going to play over Josh Allen for a year, two years, just because of the contract. I'm like, oh, okay, I can understand that. <laughs> so here's a question. Do people think that Josh Allen – played worse in this game than he did last year against the Steelers? Do, do, what, what do you think the perception is? I think it's different now because now he got that contract. So yeah. Josh Allen Josh Allen is 2-11 when trailing by 10 points. So that means that, okay, now we expect you to come back. And versus Mahomes, who now you're getting paid like Mahomes, he's won six in a row. When he's down ten points, hell, I think they were down when they they were down ten points to Cleveland. I think, yeah, on Sunday. So yeah. I mean, so now that I mean the comeback games are what you are, you know, that's kind of part of it. And so once again, and we're gonna keep talking about this contract. You want that money? You have to deliver. That's that's a great point. So I, I was asking the question because I'm looking at Allen's stats. From this game, he was 30 for 51 for 270 yards and a TD. He also threw in 44 yards on the ground. Last year, he was 24 for 43 for 238 yards, two TDs, and an interception, ran for 28 yards. Is it possible that the Steelers' defense is just really good and the Bills don't have the offensive line to keep Allen clean? Yeah, it's both. And the yeah. fact that callers were talking about this, we had to be able to run the football when we want to, and we just couldn't do that. See, that's yeah. part of it too. It all intertwines with each other. If we're able, we're up 10. If we're able to, we able to keep the ball and uh, sustain long drives with running the football. I don't, I don't want, I, I don't want, Josh Allen throwing the ball 50 times a game. Mm. 
okay? And I know he's our best player. I know this is what we are. And, oh, we always waited for a quarterback to do it. But if you're throwing 50 times for just 200, if you're if you're throwing the ball 50 times and only throwing for 240, 270 yards, that isn't good every week either. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be, we were up 10, we were able to give him a good dose of Singletary and, and Moss was their breeder and able to sustain drives and, and kill uh, and kill some of the clock and have long drives and be able to score at the end, then I think that makes it different. Mm-hmm. That does make a difference. So the Bills have the Dolphins coming up next week. And the Dolphins came are coming off a one-point win against the Patriots uh, Tua looked pedestrian. Mac Jones is pretty good. 29 for 39 for 281. Ugh. <laughs> what? No, I'm just saying, uh, we don't want that. We don't want it. I want them to suck, man, with a rookie quarterback for a while. I, I, I know. But they <laughs> lost the game. Yeah. Somebody had to win it. And I, I'm looking at the stats here. And frankly, I don't know how the Dolphins put up enough in order to, in order to actually win this game, <laughs> you know. Right, right. I think um, this, I think this is going to be like the Steelers game. It's going to be Miami wants some get back. It's going to be hot. The temperature's supposed to be ninety degrees at kickoff down in South Florida. The positive thing is, I think that we lost, so I think we're going to be like back a little, you know, back. Not saying a must win, but I think we're going to be more attentive. Okay, to McDermott this week, and he's gonna get in their butts a little bit more because we lost. So hopefully they ain't out partying and going out and spending time with you know we're on like we're on vacation. This is definitely gonna be a business trip because it's gonna be hot and they're gonna want some get back from last year. By the way, JC Jackson uh, trashed Tua after the game. He said that's what Tua do. If he if he doesn't have his first read, he's just going to throw the ball up, and that's when we capitalize on defense when he makes mistakes like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to this Dolphins game. I know that they're going to be out for revenge after being just utterly embarrassed in a game that could have gotten them into the playoffs. Um, do you see the Bills starting zero and two though? No, I think we're going to get focused. We're going to have a good week of practice. We're going to go down to South Beach and take uh, care of business. But, I mean, it's not going to be easy. I mean, if you're going to expect what happened last year in December, and I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be a hard-fought game against a team that believes. But when it comes down to it, I don't think that uh, their offense, well, their defensive front is going to be good like Pittsburgh. I think they're going to have Mm -hmm. things. Um, I just don't think – I don't believe in Tua – and I don't. I can see Big Ben beating Josh Allen, even though Josh Allen threw for more yards. He's yeah. going to be smarter. He's hard to bring down. I just think Tua Leslie Frazier is going to dial up things where Tua is, is going to be an experienced thing. So I'm not worried about. I'm yeah, not I worried mean, about it as much. But we do need to win this game. I, I hate seeing that. Like Teddy Bridgewater had a much better day than than Josh Allen did, uh, but. It, it kind of gets balanced out when I see that like Aaron Rodgers was benched. Yeah. He was awful. Yeah. Did you see that? I saw that. 
Yeah, because I saw yeah. in the stat line uh, that they put the uh, young boy in love in. So yeah. I figured something happened. But if you want to talk about people who look better than Josh Allen, what about former Buffalo Bill Tyrod Taylor? Oh, right. I mean, that was probably <laughs> his greatest game, man. I mean, I know it was against Jacksonville and all, but geez. I know. I, I didn't see them winning. I, I saw them going like 0-16, and, and then they pulled that out. Right. 0-17, oh, yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. But it's it's always – like you 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 just mentioned a few seconds ago, you're looking forward to this game. You're looking more forward to it now because we lost. All right? The only thing now is we know that we're not going to go 17-0. That's the only thing that's really off the table at this point. If we take care of business like we know we should, then it won't be that big of a deal. Now, if we only – like we, I predicted 13 wins, you predicted 12, or – no, I predicted 12 and you predicted 11 – if we get to nine wins or ten wins, and this Steelers game might come back and bite us at that point. Mm-hmm. When you talk about home field advantage and things of that sort, but <clears throat> when we did our predictions, I had us beating the Steelers and losing at Miami. So now you just got to reverse it and come out mm-hmm. of this one and one, and we'll be good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, this is the interesting thing to me is last season I was getting all kinds of nervous and had all this anxiety over like every single snap this year. I was, I was so calm during that game. Like nothing was upsetting me. Nothing was like making me, you know, tying me into the knots that I was last year. And I think it's just because win or lose this, this first game, even the second game, I still think the bills are going to be a playoff team. And they're going to be right. they're going to be right. right there at the end, right? And right. it feels entirely different when your expectation is, "Hey, they're going to be fine." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a comfortable place to be. It is. It feels good to be there. But that's what it. Once you start getting a little success, that's what it feels like. Especially when you know teams that start off well, like the Steelers last year, where they were undefeated, and then mm-hmm. <clears throat> we came and punched them in the mouth. They start losing. Like that's kind of part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried. I think I think we're going to get him back on track. Yeah, yeah. I think I I think so. I, I think so. And I I think week two is when it begins. I just hope that it's um a little cooler while I'm watching the game outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gotta be careful too. You know the Nats got a game Sunday, so oh they do. Yeah, uh... yeah. So the Nats got a game, so. You make sure you take the Metro in and act accordingly. So Yeah, okay. Uh, I do want to give a shout to our friend Shatila. Uh, she apparently listens every week, doesn't necessarily mention it to it or comment on Twitter, but that's okay. Thank you so much, our fine friend, for, uh, for, for being a part of it. And I was like, you must have nothing to do. I was like, you ain't got any hobbies or nothing. You you listen to us every week? Gee. But see, the Bills are her hobby. Have you ever seen anybody who owns more Bills gear? And and I tell her that her life is wonderful. She's a world traveler. She's been places I've only seen on TV, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, buddy. Real quick before we go. Just came off the wire about an hour ago. We're we're, uh, recording this Tuesday afternoon. Beginning September 26th versus the Washington football team. Fans 12 and over will require proof of vaccination. Ooh. 
Yeah, just came off the hot wire. I didn't even tell you about it. I'm hitting you with a gut punch right now, too. Masks would no longer be required at that point. But um, as of September 26th, everyone who attends uh, Highmark Field will have to have a proof of at least one shot. And you have to be fully vaccinated by October 31st versus Miami. Oh, wow. They're announcing that kind of late. Um, I'm surprised they didn't come up with that policy sooner. Um, yep. Geez, going to be interesting. Sports, yep. Peculiar Sports Group in uh, Erie County just announced it about an hour ago. So act accordingly, people. All right. All right. Now we know the rules. Yep. All Did right. you see also the Saints? They, they, they lost like five coaches to COVID. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, that, that just happened a couple hours ago too, so. We're gonna have to. We're gonna keep talking about COVID because this is gonna affect us one way or the other. So for those who don't like it, I'm, I apologize, but it affects the NFL and especially the Buffalo Bills. So we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, I, that is that is correct. It's <laughs> it's an issue that's not going away. Anyway, let's wrap it up. You got a song for us? Hey. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 